You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to episode 24 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level, I am Sarah. I am Rob. How we doing, Rob? Uh, you know, I'm kind of relaxed. I know, right? It's really weird. It's been a hell of a week and it's good to be in back in the studio. It is good to be back in the studio, but at the same time, like, I felt weird because we didn't make plans. I know. <laughs> I wasn't so sure about this. Yep, Knox, it's 24. 24. 24. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, news update. We're in our 24th episode. So I guess we're not kids anymore. It feels good, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We don't have a topic. No, we don't. That's really weird. We it's don't. So weird. We like, uh we reached out to you guys yeah. on our Discord server and asked you to barrage us with questions. And barrage you did. You a did. veritable volley. You did. Of questions. And then I grabbed a couple extra topics, some some stuff that hit the Discord, I will say relatively recently from people that I thought were really kind of fun things to poke at. Yeah. yeah so if we get to topics. those, I would I would I would, I think that'd be fun. Absolutely. Yeah, but it it was a little weird. Um yeah. You know, you you created the show sheet and mm-hmm. usually I have like a, a Tuesday or Wednesday where I'm like, oh, I've got to write a bunch of notes and really kind of deep dive the subject so we have something to talk about. And I kind of pulled it up today and I was like, oh, I mean, there's questions. I just kind of looked over them, kind of maybe thought about some answers, but I didn't really prepare. I straight up didn't even really look at the questions, even though I put them on the list. I hate to say it, but it's true. I was I was tired, like my brain wasn't on it. But you know what? I'm here, yeah. and we can answer these. Oh, good old good old complexities of adult life. It's so true. It's so true. So let's hit some of these questions. Yeah, let's do this. It's going to sound weird right that we're just going right to questions, but it's going to happen. And if you jump on the channel, please, like Knox has, and and chat with us. All right. Speaking of Knox, you got uh, the hyped up for the first question here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the challenges in transitioning from GM DM back to player? I've heard it can be di- difficult, but I have no context. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this question. Uh, well, I did it. Uh, yeah, and yeah. It wasn't so much a transition as it was a dump. Uh-huh. Um because I just – I couldn't run things when I was. And then when I was getting back to it, I was like, I have nothing under my feet. Mm-hmm. And I think it was – liberating for me mm-hmm. to be able to listen to someone else. And I appreciated the story and I appreciated the players. Uh, but I will say I have a natural leadership thing that I do and it sits me better in a storyteller position because of that. Yep. And it really, I had to like pull that rein so hard back in my own head. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's different. It is different. That struggle say. is real. I started thinking about my own, my own difficulties with that. Um, and Knox is actually in the game that, that I'm, I, I play in. Oh Lord. Uh, that I don't story tell. So he's seen this firsthand. Okay. But, uh, uh, I started thinking about my own struggles and, and as I was thinking about them, I'm like, Oh God, this is all stuff that, that, that Rob kind of does in my game as well. Um, and I, so I, I completely, and I, and I, don't get me wrong. I, I understand where it comes from. Um, but I see the exact same thing I think in both of us, mm-hmm. and that is uh, 
as a storyteller, you have a – it's your job to fill the empty space. Um, you know, you keep the action moving and you, you're, you are supposed to be telling the story, hence the name storyteller. It's right on the tin. Um, and so when there are dead spots in the table's RP, you feel the need to jump in and do something <laughs> and give the big speech and be the premier character right in the forefront and steal the limelight. And uh, so for me, it's it's a combination of backing down and handing the limelight to other players at the table mm-hmm. uh, because there's an it, – it's, it's not – it's an anxiety thing. Mm-hmm. Like if there's dead air, I feel like I should be spilling it. See, I don't, I don't feel about that. Like the other part of me is, is, and I was in another game, mm-hmm. and I think I talked about it here, and I just felt like the players were shitting on a beautiful story. They really weren't giving it all. Like uh, two of the players were late, oh. and like the other, and it, and, and there was a lot of side chatter, and I was just like, this, this person's wrote all this material and has worked really hard on doing this stuff and you're literally crapping on it. And I felt yeah. like bad. I'm like, I, and I got angry at one of the sessions, like well, yeah. straight up angry at one of the sessions. I'm like, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. are we playing this game or not? Like if we're just going to take the night off, we'll take the night off, but don't freaking just half half ass it. And then be like, I'm, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. Cause I didn't hear mm-hmm. like you weren't listening. You were literally having a side conversation and there's four of us here. That's it. Just four of us. Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. So yeah, it, it, it was hard. It, it's hard for me from that aspect. Cause I, I have an appreciation that's different. So do you um do you, do you find that you have uh, a little bit of trouble not rules lawyering a little bit too? Not at all. I let go of that completely. Really? Yep, one hundred percent. Oh, see, that's the is... only thing that I look at is uh, on my side of the coin. I'm like, what can I do as this character? Because again, I don't deep dive focus as a storyteller. Sure. Like sure. I look at the mechanics at the time that I'm using them, mm-hmm. but I don't try as hard to use the mechanics as a leverage against my players. I may use them in unique ways, but for the most part, like I'm a heroic DM. No, no, I, I think I think more what I mean is, and this is I, I bring this up because this is a personal struggle of mine. Is um, as a DM, I I know the rules well enough to be able to quote a lot of them off the top of my head, and therefore, when a different storyteller makes a different call, uh, it, there, it, there's a source of like, oh, oh, no, 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 I I know this one. I'm qualified. I, I can yeah. I can tell you exactly yeah. how it's supposed to happen but deep breath sarah you're the storyteller and you're the one telling me how it goes okay so and i just i roll back on that now a few times i'll go and pre-check rules so i can Mm -hmm. be like i'll be like okay i just saw this on this page and this way it goes okay this is what i'm gonna do and i'm like okay that's that's not too bad well that's different that's being a responsible player so it's like yeah but like i just read i just watched something about casting two spells in a single action Mm -hmm. because it's a cantrip not a spell right and i was like trying to understand that i'm like okay that's a fifth edition piece of architecture that i wasn't comfortable with mm-hmm. i now know more about but i literally just like in your game I'm like can i do that and you're like no i'm like all right well i'll look that up later and i just kind of let it roll off my shoulder i didn't get like mm, i'm not sure about that I'm like no seriously it didn't even freaking matter yeah like i just let it go and i think that's because i've gotten used to uh the uh, i've used i've gotten used to the fact that i know a storyteller is on the fly and that's mm-hmm. okay so yeah right on all right. So I think that helps. I think that helps. All right. Matt Elf had a question. Actually, two, but we're going to see if we can combine these. Uh, whatever. Uh, we got, how we got do you whole... manage large groups of players six plus? What is, uh, you know, let's start with that one. That's kind of a separate question on its own. I look at it. Um, first off, I don't. Headaches. Yeah. I, I really don't. 
I, I, I do not understand some of the people long, in our Discord discussion who can do this. Curled up in a dark room with a cat cuddled up against me, crying, asking myself <laughs> why. Yeah. Uh, no, no, seriously, though. Um, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Hey, technology. Welcome to the board. Definitely. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I think if I had, I and I have ran groups larger than six. Mm-hmm. I've just elected not to anymore because I don't want my players to feel left out or forgotten or or set to the side. A few times that I did, like my seven C games, um, I seen chopped. I would look at who had scenes last game. And I'd make new scenes, and I would do it like a sitcom mm-hmm. to make sure that I had play, I'd had characters getting what they needed, yeah, yeah, and getting their scenes and getting their moments and and rolling through it uh, where other people are. So, uh, so I think that's how I'd handle it. How, how I just tend to handle things. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I have any special like techniques for handling a group of six plus more than handling four um, raise hand swing right swing left <laughs> yeah pretty much just just use a larger club yeah um, i mean it's pretty much it so but uh i i, I kind of like Knox's suggestion here in the discord is uh, six plus players is now a potluck i mean that's true you should always bring food uh so yeah that's how you handle them is you you get extra food out yeah. of them yeah i think that would be it too. you exploit them for their hot for their uh for their uh was it what do they call them quick pots or what the the, the those those crock pot things that oh yeah yeah hot pots or hot pot, or, yeah quick yeah, pots or, something or, like or instapots instapot yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. instapot party that's what that's what the kids call it right <laughs> <laughs> all all the kids nowadays yeah all right the second part of the question what one game system uh, you've wanted to run which you have not had the opportunity yet why do you want to run that game in that why do you want to run a game in that system oh. Okay, well, you're thinking I've got an answer to this one. Just go I pre- ahead. Because I pre-prepped. Go ahead. Uh, all right, so the two the two that stick out off the top of my head um, are both Dread. Uh, as much as I've repped it on mm-hmm. this show, I've never gotten a chance to play it. You should do it. Uh, I really should. Yeah. Um, but I, I've, I've got a... I've got a little thing of why we haven't played that yet, I, but I think a, a later question addresses that, so I may, sure. I may loop back around to it. Fair enough. You can hold off. Um. But yeah, I've never had a chance to play Dread, uh, and uh, ever since you shot me over the rulebook for Urban Shadows, yeah, that one's been stewing. Yeah, I there are some games that I've looked at, um, like it's it's weird to say it, but like I've I've never actually ran uh, Vampire the Masquerade, really. Or where all the apocalypse? Huh. I've I've played in games, but I've never ran it. Oh God! Now I'm thinking back and like I don't know that I've run. No, 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 no. I have. I have. I ran a mixed World of Darkness game, yeah. which was wild. But I think like I would be. I think the main reason, uh, why I'd want to run it is because I like the richness of the environment. I like the world. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like the system. There's there are obvious breaks in the system, and you need the right players who aren't just gonna you know I'll, I'll you know look for chum in the water if you will yeah. you know moments yeah. but uh it's it's a role play heavy really mm-hmm. system especially like uh, world of darkness um like the dark dark ages is one of my favorite settings yep. because yep. it's there's so much changing at that time and you can play with the world in so many cool ways mm-hmm. and i think it would be a neat thing to run a vampire the masquerade game that is more like um uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen style, 
Oh, that where, could be very cool. Where yeah. they're not necessarily part of the Camarilla or the Sabbat. Mm-hmm. They're th- those either they exist, but they are literally shadow societies. They are not overt to the world. Mm-hmm. And you know, these are Lord or or Legionless people who have come together under a different banner. Hmm. I like it. I you know, like a it. commonality. So I think that's the kind of thing. So it's but it's it's something I just haven't ran yet or talked about because there are other things, other stories that I have to get through. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think I think that's that's probably the biggest reason why like I have just haven't done a lot of these games because yeah. there's just so many game systems in so little time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once once I got out of high school and into the the trials and tribulations of adult life, yeah. then suddenly, you know. And we're not getting paid for this shit. Yeah. So. And I think I said on an earlier episode, too, I like the reason I, I got into Warhammer mm-hmm. was because I couldn't keep a D&D game going for longer than three sessions. And so I wanted a game I could get into that I could, you know, play an entire session in one in one sitting, you know. Yep. Um, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. You, you mentioned World of Darkness, though. Actually. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, that that actually reminds me of another game that I've never played, and it's Wraith. I've never played Wraith either. Uh, it's probably it's probably my favorite um, of the rule systems and like of the themes. Okay, but uh, I really hated the setting that they wrote for it. So I was just going to throw the setting completely out and just play my own my own kind of like homebrew setting for it, but. Uh, I'm a huge fan, as you know, of the Silent Hill series. Oh yeah, that's it would totally be your thing. And um, specifically Silent Hill Two, which mm-hmm. I think we can all agree was the best Silent Hill game. Fight me at st underscore conclave. I I'll um, just agree with you. Oh yeah, and uh, I, I've always really liked that 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 story. And to me, like I thought Silent Hill would be an amazing story to tell if, um, if indeed the main character were dead. And then all the crazy monsters and the fog and the fact that, um, you know, spatial relations seem to start fading into weird interpretive ways. You know, you can journey for miles in a single direction and come out on the other side of the block, you know, sort of things. Exactly. Uh, All those things make perfect sense in the Shadowlands. Yes. And so if you were a ghost, that would be the perfect setting. And that's exactly how I wanted to run it was Silent Hill, the tabletop game. Yeah, I mean, you could do it. I could. It'd be an easy transition. Mm-hmm. It's just a setting. Cool. All right, Techno Lich, welcome to the party. Yeah, yeah. You have a right question. On. There is there any campaign adventure from early days that you'd want to revisit running now that you know what you're doing in theory? Yes, definitely. Probably every single one of them. Um, I wouldn't say every single one of them, but there were definitely some games that I would totally want to rerun. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really cool Rifts game that I ran uh, that my players were just I, – I didn't know how to manage them and I didn't know how to move through the story right and I did a lot of dumb things in it. But looking back and thinking on some of the notes that I had, it was really good. Like the ideas were really good and and original and fun. And I think that would have been a good one. And I actually made my own Robotech modules uh, that had maps and all kinds of crazy stuff oh, to wow. them. And the guys, you know, the people that I were playing with, I just, I couldn't keep them focused. Yeah. And they just, it, I felt like those would be better, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I definitely have ideas. Uh, if I could go back and redo um, the homebrew campaign that I was uh, working on since high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I told a really big story in there that was uh, essentially just a ripped off uh, Final Fantasy story. Um, and it came out 
pretty no, good. Nothing wrong with that. It was a cool little globetrotting adventure to find yeah. these elemental crystals and mm-hmm. thwart this big bad evil guy who wanted to resurrect an ancient race of, of quasi-evil dudes. Funny how that all works out. Um, but uh, no, it was, it, was, it was good. I just think there would be a lot of cool things that uh, now that I'm an experienced storyteller and not a, uh, not a high school senior mm-hmm. uh, that I'd probably do different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. Hope that answers your question there, Technolich. Uh, Mad Elf asked, uh, funniest moment at a table where you've uh, been a storyteller? Oh, God. I, I had to think long and hard about this one. I'm going to need help, honestly, because like, we've had some funny-ass moments together where I've told this, where I've been storytelling and just crap's gone whichever direction. I can remember the fu- one of the funniest moments ever playing a game, uh, and I can't remember. I don't think I was telling that story. I think somebody else was doing the storytelling. Uh, and that was uh, it was a seventh C game that had uh, a couple people in it, but one of the per- one of the people in it was a explorer, and he had a lot of lore knowledge. He was mm-hmm. really smart. Mm-hmm. And one of the characters was a um, fae, a she. And uh, her one of the quirks about the she is you've got all these things that you you have to take as quirks uh, or as issues like you know uh, can't cross running water uh, iron either injures you or can kill you um, and uh, one of the things is that uh, a lot of times they tend to steal babies and take them back to the she realm they literally just drop them in pools that take it right to the she realm mm-hmm. and that's just it's like a psychological thing and they'll leave. That when they steal the babies, they'll leave sticks transformed as the child there, and the next morning it'll just be a bundle of sticks left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when they take the baby, they usually conceal them in some way. And so she comes back to the caravan after going into town with everybody else with a puppy. And everybody's talking and doing other things, and literally the explorer just looks over. He picks up his scoop of brain dice basically, rolls a bunch of ten-siders, like nine of them explode, and he just, without missing a beat, just looks over and goes, you put that baby back. You <laughs> put that baby back right now. Because he just knew, without a shadow of a doubt, there was no question that he was going to know what that was. Because he rolled like 50 on his dice instantaneously. And he was oh, just like, right. just without without even reading what his dice were, it, you could just see it on the table. You're like, you put that baby back. You what put is that it, baby about, back about 25 or so was a critical success? Oh, it's so, something like that, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he yeah, just yeah. blew right through it. But oh, it was just geez. so funny that he immediately just broke to, you put that baby back. <laughs> you put that baby back now. What are you talking about? That is not a puppy. That is a baby. <laughs> like, you did not have a puppy before. Were you, uh, were you storytelling in the, uh, uh, were you storytelling the game that uh, the, uh, the, the, the surgeon came out from the other room after pulling musket balls out of the guy and uh, came into the interrogation of the captured no, no, guy? No, I'm going to tell the story. Okay. Uh, right. I'll get you the situation. There was a caravan. Mm-hmm. You had just taken out everybody on the caravan mm-hmm. so that you had literally uh, a group. You had one guy pinned down on one side and bodies on the other. But that guy didn't know what was going on. And that was the situation was that interrogations were happening on both sides. Oh, OK. Quote, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. so then the surgeon comes around the other side to the interrogation and goes and covered in blood yeah. up to his elbows <laughs> yeah. and just goes. Well, my interrogation didn't go so well. How's yours? <laughs> the guy instantly spills his guts. Yep. This is what Insta- I know. <laughs> this is what's going on. I'll tell you anything else you need to know. He's right over there. I will walk you there personally and point it out. I will literally tell you that guy's the guy you want to kill. <laughs> I work for Vicini. <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty that was pretty spot on. Funny enough, both the same person. Oh, really? Oh my god! In both cases, in both cases. Oh so he's god. just funny. He's just he has he has moments that are just unreal. 
Uh, we've had a lot of a lot of a lot of funny moments um, at the table, but I don't. I really have to kind of rack my brain for things that happened while I was storytelling them. Oh no, I know one just recently. Oh, I mean, I think of one just recently too. I was trying to think back. Oh, the further. Problem. Yeah, yeah. But I know exactly the one I'm dropping out is my recent one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, all I for, did was a. I did a little, a, a little, little air guitar, a little air guitar. It was yes. all that was needed. Uh, so uh, this one, um, the party was traveling from one major city to the other. And uh, along the road, they had to stop for the night. And there are several inns along this major road. Essentially, they were uh, going down what is a uh, essentially a freeway of mm-hmm. of, of, of this of this world. Mm-hmm. And um, so they stopped at one of the major inns. It was just along this road for all the weary travelers making this exact same journey. And that night, they happened to have a battle of the bards mm-hmm. going on. They did. And so our uh, much storied uh, resident asshole noble bard Lord Thalian Arroway yep. uh, entered himself into this contest and when asked uh, what name he should be put on the roster as with a twinkle in his eye and a grin on his cheek he said just put me down as Aerosmith <laughs> we all then stood there up there was a five minute break we were all just clapping <laughs> we were all laughing and clapping it was beautiful it was beautiful I th- I think that one takes the cake for right now, yeah. Yep, yep, that's true. All right. We've got one from Overwatch here. You are designing your own game system world. Uh, each of you get two key points you want to include in the new game. They can be mechanical, setting-wise, design, philosophy, whatever. Oh, God. So we each get two. Designing your own game system or world, you each get two key points you'd want to include in your new game. It can be mechanical, size, design, philosophy, or whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, Overwatch. Overwatch, okay. Yeah. Um, I'll let you go first. Ladies first. All right. So what's important to me in a game system is... um, Consistency. (laughs) Well, that's in world building. (laughs) Uh, but I do like it in a game system as yep. well. Okay. Um, okay. No, but uh, I think the key feature for a game system to me is um, I am uh, very anti-crunch. Okay. Um, so I like a game system that lays enough rules down to guide me through how to adjudicate the game, mm-hmm. but then gets the hell out of my way and lets me role play. Okay. Okay. Uh, so for me, I think fifth edition is a great butter zone for me. Because there's a lot of ambiguity in the rules. There's uh, there's there's just kind of like, oh yeah, I mean this skill kind of covers that activity. Sure. Make it a diplomacy check. Okay. You know? There's not I mean if you if you look up the definitions for, for the skills and stuff like that, like third edition D D had these big, long, elaborate, like, well, if you make a medicine check of five, you can do this. And if you make it of right. ten, you can do this, and a right. twelve will do this, and a fifteen will allow you to do this, you know. But if you have a medicine kit, then it works in these completely different ways and Fifth edition is just kind of like, um, yeah, this skill uh, is for medical knowledge and for treating wounds with first aid and stuff. Oh, okay. I mean, that's kind of 7C for me. Cool. Is that it's very light in that sense. Yeah, yeah. And and again, I like it for that reason. Because it allows you as the storyteller the freedom to say what that rule means. Right, right. And I I can understand where as a player that might be a little frustrating because there aren't hard definitions on things. But – um, I, I, I at least find in my experience that crunch tends to lend to people worrying more about the numbers than they are worrying about the situation. Right. I don't want you as a player worrying about, well, do I have a high enough medicine skill to treat this person's gunshot wound um, 
and I more or less I want you focusing on the idea that you have medicine written on your sheet and your friend has just been shot. Yes. Do you have and, a chance? Oh God, I, I I want to help them because they've been shot. Oh, I'm I'm gonna help. I'm gonna help in whatever way I can. Not right. oh sorry, my medicine skill's not high enough. Now let's make this perfectly calculated move because this is now a strategy game. Yeah. I you know I would I also one of the things that I would extract from Seventh C that I really like was the villains kill heroes yeah Yeah, just that simple philosophy is so much in my head now Mm -hmm. because it changes the way the game is played Mm -hmm. you do feel masterful and graceful in everything you're doing because you know that it's a movie you're enjoying the moment in the scene. You're mm-hmm. not worrying about getting ground down by the giant who's literally going to over damage you. And then your friends are never going to be able to save you. And so this character is just going to be dead mm-hmm. instead. Yeah. He might overpower you and, and club you over the head, but like Luke Skywalker, you're going to wake up strapped to the ceiling with your weapon just out of reach and, you know, hanging quietly, you know, slightly unconscious and injured. Yeah. 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 You know, that's, that's the kind of, scene that i want to evoke i want my players to to not fret about losing something they've made to something trivial like tripping over your shoelaces Mm -hmm. you know that's the kind of thing i like that i I would definitely include that in a game and and see i I know a lot of people disagree with i I know you and i share the same philosophy on that Mm -hmm. like i i think that we we've we've talked about that and agreed on that a Mm -hmm. dozen times but i know there are a lot of other people out there who disagree with that and Mm -hmm. to me i i mean the the only question i would pose to you is what fun is a story ending Mm. you know wrap up has its flavor wrap wrap up does have its flavor if there is good closure to it everybody likes good dessert yeah but but like killed killed by a random orc Mm mm-hmm don't I no. don't want my story to end that way. You don't want your story to end that way. No. And I think if I was going to add a fun mechanic to a game that I've always thought was smart, like something simple and smart, it's honestly Shadowruns Johnson. Mm-hmm. It was such a smart thing to do. Yeah. Because one of the hardest things is why are all your players together? We got hired. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yep. Yeah. All you have to do is figure out why you're with that Johnson. Mm-hmm. And then it's complete the damn mission. Yep. And that's it. It's that simple. You're, yep. you're mercs. You work together because you have to. Mm-hmm. And you're told to. That's it. Simple as that. And it's like, okay, that's great because you have the players who don't know how to make a backstory or aren't comfortable with the whole social logistics thing or anything like that. And they can still play along with someone who is a face character who likes to know everybody and who will talk about anything and explain their tragic 26 page backstory. And yet they're literally on the exact same playing field because they're in it either for the money or the fame, but they're in it for the Johnson. (laughs) I mean, that's it. So is your mom. Oh, and with uh, that, we've just demonetized our whole thing. <laughs> uh, so let me let me ask you this. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna segue briefly out oh. of our out of our out of our listed segue. question. Yeah. Um. But because you you kind of brought something up and made me think of something. Sure. Um, I've not played a lot of Shadowrun. So do and does, do do people ever like bring three or four characters and then decide which one gets hired for the job? So that you have a different team every time. Because that's the thing, and that that for me, that's where that's where the whole, you know, the Johnson hiring you for the job thing kind of falls apart. Is after the next job, you all go your separate ways, and then coincidentally, you just all get hired for the same job the next time. No, because you're a good team. 
because you're a good team and it worked out. So he calls you back again. It does, and what happens in between your team jobs are just that. It could be months. Mm-hmm. It could be weeks. It could be days. Hmm. But he's just like, hey, you guys all work together really well on this type of job. So I pulled you all back again. That's where it comes from. Do you think it would work to have a pool of characters and assemble your team? It would be totally different. Um, I think with the right role players, you could pull that off. I think it would get challenging otherwise. That could be cool. That could be cool. Yeah. Okay. I mean, shortly going into the realm you're, – you're, you're quickly going to the realm of crazies where you have multiple personalities with different uh, skill sets. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Vote with your Johnson. Nice, <laughs> Johnson. nice. Monologuing is in, is, is – uh, the in the villain rule book it is it is totally in it the, is dude it if, i will say that if you if you're thinking about running 7c learn to monologue learn to monologue it's something you just have to have oh god i, I always want my villains to monologue but i always have players that just uh, get get pissed with them and want to shoot them halfway through their 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 monologue you guys have done that to my bandits like three times already by the way yeah i have i have had the dude on the road who's like, ah, oh, well, if you want to pass by here, you have to pay the toll. And, and he gets an arrow in the chest before he's like, well, yep. roll initiative. You yep. know? Yeah. Well, again, that's – I'm just going to say uh, I'm asserting my dominance and that's all I'm going to say about that. Yep, 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 yep. All right. Have you ever drank Baileys from a shoe? I love that opening <laughs> of this question. Because <laughs> the only no. – you ready? What The first thing I get the image of and I, I have to say it. It's the love story in red. Retired and extremely dangerous, the movie. Yep. Between the sniper and the Russian. I love their love story. It is incredible because in the second movie, he's literally holding her shoe and sniffing it because he's in so much love with her. He's so deeply and passionately in love with that woman. So when I read that line, I'm like, I bet he has. And I know the shoe he's done it from. I, I have to interrupt this train of thought briefly. Oh, no. Oh, no. What's up? Because my my beloved oh, no. uh, what is, is, is on the Discord what? and just accused me of doing that thing to his villain. And I need to address this. Oh, no. All right. Well, I'm okay. going to sit back. <clears throat> Go ahead. No, no, no. It'll, no, be, no. it'll, be, it'll be brief. It'll be brief because I'm right. <laughs> And knock and knock and knocks be, in a box was there. You ready? It'll be brief because you have a microphone and he doesn't. So he's going to listen, listen to, to every, every damn word I have, have to say. say. Yes. So by all means, the mic is yours. No, and, and Knox helped. Exactly. because uh, Knox was at the table too. Um so no, I let his I let his villain monologue. I sat there and listened to her lie straight to our face. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he says, going. oops the stream died yep too um, bad recording it's gonna be live it's recording yeah uh no he, he i let his villain monologue okay. okay okay so we were playing uh uh temple of elemental evil uh, or the princes of the apocalypse i believe they call it now in uh in fifth edition okay um and so we we found the elemental leader of the the air cult essentially and uh my character had made uh made an enemy of um a lesser lieutenant of hers. Okay. Uh, and honestly, did, like, was was hunting that guy mm-hmm. for essentially war crimes that he had committed. Sure. And uh, stumbled into her by chance. Okay. Uh, and so she's like, oh, you have come to my domain. And I'm like, yeah, uh, where's Thurl? <laughs> where's this where's this lieutenant of yours i don't even care about you yeah i know you're the leader but whatever whatever i'm where's your lieutenant. lieutenant yeah and she's like oh thir- 
Carl. Oh, I haven't seen him in, oh my goodness, it must have been months now. I'm like, I know you're full of crap because I have a signed letter from you telling him he's doing an excellent job from like last week. So okay. shut it. So cut the crap. Where is he? And she's like, oh, well, you don't have to be harsh about it. Why don't you join? I'm like, I am done listening to you now. Okay, if, if if you're not going to tell me where Thurl is, you are officially useless, and I have a fireball with your name on it. And so Knox silenced her. I fireballed her, and her uh, 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 her invisible stalker bodyguard was harder than she was. Oh wow, that's charred it, remains was what was left. Yeah, mm. yeah, dusty. Yeah, dusty. Yeah. Well, that we're just going to call that dusty. <laughs> dusty. Knox says, "I took that lady's spear." Knox possesses wind vane. I blocked her horn and so that summons a djinn. Spoilers, by the way. Oh, that's <laughs> With fantastic. a silent spell on, that is a- fantastic. on accident. On accident. Yep. Not unlike on accident stopping the the dreadlord with heating his armor. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't. And, I, and for the record, I didn't know I scared him off to Waterdeep. I thought he. I thought he would have run home to Mama. So I went to go see Mama, and she gave me a big line of crap. So I blew her up. No, you think he's coming back now? Do you think he's coming back now? No, no, no. no we went to Waterdeep to hunt his ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's why we went to Waterdeep. So back and that's to where the story question, left off. But we're gonna crump right but back. But I digress. Reality. But I digress. All right. So, have you ever drank Bailey's from a shoe? But really, have you ever found yourself falling in love with one of the characters in the game you were running? Not romantic, but completely incapacitated. Yes, yes. Vision scenarios, writing plots. Yeah. A lot of my 7C characters got very cinematic in my mind, and I would design scenes for them. And I found that that was actually a really important part of that system, is you want to fall in love with those heroes. You want to give them uh, cinematic moments and and things that go uh, that way. And a lot of times, it didn't have much to do with the player. It just had much to do with the role play and how that player was developing. With that character, uh, yeah, I've I've done this before in D and D games. Okay, um, but I'm gonna be dead honest. It's been a while. Sure. It's been a while. I haven't I haven't quite f- fallen in love with anybody in in our current group. I love them all. Mm-hmm. I've fallen in love with them. It's to, to to the point where I'm like, oh, this scene has to happen for this character, right? Well, not maybe. maybe see, this... see, see. Now that you've said that, you're thinking. No. There might be a reason why you're holding Meridia's beacon right now. Mm-hmm. That because mm-hmm. that might have that might have had something to do with like, but it comes <laughs> it comes from a triggered yeah. moment. You see something and you're like, it immediately triggers that I have a vision of where this could go. Yeah, and that's legitimate. Like I had a vision of mm-hmm. where things were going to end up with Memnon's character. Yeah, and I I just knew what there was a, a point in the story where where something changed. And I mm-hmm. went right there. That's where I see a scene in the future for this. And yep. I gave you guys that scene as a primer mm-hmm. for the next act completely Mm -hmm. and it was it was part of that whole feeling is that i know where this is going to end up so yeah totally no i I think that's 100 percent something storytellers do the hard part is knowing when it's too much when you've got a when it's it should be a scene it should be it should be candid and comparable with other players you should always fall in love with all of your characters and run things but if there's a moment or a scene yeah there's definitely things like that that happen so Mad Elf, I like your question. It almost I, I knew this could have gotten weird, but single malt, bourbon, whiskey, rum, or rye? 
Well, this is the big question of the evening, isn't it? Well, it's one of them. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I know you've got opinions on this one, but uh... I used to be a rum drinker, really did, mm-hmm. and I still love good rums. Um, there's been a few rides that have turned my eyes, but not often. Mm-hmm. Uh, bourbon, mm-hmm. bourbons are amazing. I know, I know you love bourbon. I love a good bourbon. Mm-hmm. I love a good single malt. Um, there are some whiskeys that are incredible, that are just incredible. But I would have to say bourbon. I would definitely have to say bourbon. Uh, so I'm not I'm not a big drinker anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in my back in my twenties though, yeah, I could uh, I could pack away uh, some rum quite a, quite a bit. I never really got into uh, uh, rye or bourbons or any of that sort of ilk. But uh, it just it, the, the flavor just never never really did anything for me. I've always found rum a lot more flavorful. I'm on gins now. Like I I, I still drink my bourbons, but like. There's something about gin for me now, and they're different. Like I've found some incredible. I just found an orange, cinnamon, and what was the other thing that was in it? Uh, um, clove hmm. gin, and it's incredible. You yeah. could sip it. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. it was absolutely incredible. We actually uh, were making hot toddies with it while we were not feeling well over the oh, weekend. It was very perfect. Nice, very nice. So yeah, I would say, um, much like the plethora put forth by Mad Elf, remember that there are different types of every flavor Mm -hmm. so though you may be a fighter type of person that does not mean that a ranger should be outside of your realm because you're not a ranger type oh you brought it back around i did i did i'm gonna bring it back around too oh until very very recently Mm -hmm. of my last birthday when you guys bought me dice as a birthday present yeah and a new dice bag to go with it yeah uh my dice bag was a captain morgan private stock oh yeah uh bag that I had been having had kicking around since college. Wow! Wow! <laughs> so you, that's, you, that's how old that is. Well, I mean, but I I think that says something on its own. Is like I know for me mm-hmm. that it is tradition that if you're starting gaming, that you're you have a collection of random dice as your first dice, and that if you're playing a game, you go and buy your first dice set, and the dice bag that you put that in is a crown royal bag. Because everybody puts it in a Crown Royal bag to start it's, with. It's a rite of passage. You know, and you bring that bottle of Crown Royal with you because we're all drinking some. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and even if you don't drink it, That's right. we will. That's right. Here's your new dice bag. Exactly, exactly. And now I don't know if you <laughs> give somebody their dice. I mean, that's there's all kinds of ceremonies for dice. I think dice should be chosen. Mm-hmm. By the player. Yeah. You know. It's and, a superstitious thing. You know. Yeah, it is. It is. And like I mean, there's people like I, I know Overwatch literally buys new dice for every new character. Yeah. Like yeah. if he's playing a new game, new dice. The man's got dice. Dice. Do you uh do you have lucky dice? No. Yeah? No. I, I treat all my dice like beautiful children. Okay. And redheaded ch- stepchildren all at the same time. Like I have my dice for 7C. Because they're color coded and they help me for that mm-hmm. to be able to say, okay, these are my drama dice. I know how much of these I have. Sure. These are my my villain dice. I'm going to make sure they're over here because a lot of times you're holding dice, you're keeping mm-hmm. dice in patterns and things like that. Um, and I want to be able to to do that. But like if I'm uh, if I'm doing stuff like I. I've never gotten to the point where like like I've gone so far as to say like I have fireball dice. Like these are the dice that I use to throw fireballs damage, you know, kind of things like that. <laughs> right, right, right. So I think I think that's definitely something uh that some people do. And I, I don't fault anybody for doing that whatsoever. Um because I think it's I think it's important because it is ritualistic. It our game is very ritualistic. It's yeah, very sure. it has its own um 
points to that. And because it is a game of randomness inherently, mm-hmm. you you're going to have that. You're going to have that luck. You're going to have that uh, that those good dice or those that tray that you're going to use like Erica throwing her tray away. <laughs> She's like, screw yep. this tray today. Yep. I want nothing to do with this. Yep. You know what? If you need to then wash it under the moonlight for a month, you know, or for, for two fortnights so that uh, it may cleanse itself of the dark – you know, feelings, whatever, do, do what you need to do. You know, I saw, um, at our local hobby shop, uh, they were printing, they had 3d printed dice gels on sale. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen those. Yeah, I've yeah. seen those. They're nice. Yeah, so They're when your nice. dice are bad. Yeah. You, you put just, them in dice gel. You just put them in dice gel. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Knox, Knox is over here on, uh, on the discord saying, uh, that, uh, he bought his dice in bulk and it came as, uh, 10 mini bags in one big gray bag. I've done it all wrong. No, he's never no. he's never had the 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 the, the booze bag, dude. You got to get a booze bag. We're, we're gonna we're we're gonna fix that for you. We're, we'll Knox. totally we, fix that. We're, we're we gonna, will we're ship gonna you one or something, it. and and then we will like kill the bottle some Saturday night. Oh yeah, or just bring it to the show. Um, uh, and then uh, Heatsink uh, is saying uh, he would buy new dice for every one of his Vampire the Masquerade characters. Oh nice, yeah yeah. No, I get that. I get that. And then but but for D and D. He would just use his pool of dice. Like, oh, so D&D wasn't special enough, but well, Vampire the Masquerade? Pool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 7th C, it's only 10-siders, right? So uh, same with Vampire. You know, you're, you're dealing with a set of dice. You're not dealing with mixed dice. Yeah. So it's a lot easier, I would say. Definitely yep. easier to get like a, a set. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the worst thing ever, trying to find dice to fill out like, I need three more 10-siders that are this cerulean blue. You'll oh, never find those again. No, you will never will. You never will. They're they're like they're like unique little snowflakes with numbers on them. You ready? When we are old and decrepit, people will be trading dice. You realize that they're going to be like our China. <laughs> I don't have a full set of these. I'm still looking for one d one Honey, one over here and double s- digit d ten, so I can have a full percentile. <laughs> Or, or you know, it's gonna be like, honey, come, come, sit down next to grandma. I, I'm, I'm gonna be reaching the end of my life soon, so I want you to know that you know when the time comes, these belong to you, okay? These rolled crits for every single one of grandma's hits, okay? And you're either gonna get like the one kid who's like, oh god, dice, and then the other kid, are those Chessex? Are those 1860 Chessex golds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they're going to know. They're just going to know. And yeah. they're going to immediately be on eBay like, dude, the D20s on the goes for $9 a piece if they're pristine. I mean, are they still – oh, they're still pointy. Oh, the D4 is still pointy. That could hurt somebody. Right. Yes, take, we're totally take, doing that's that. That's why you take good care of them, honey. Yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is the fine china. That's right. That's <laughs> right. right. <laughs> exactly. That's the kind of crap that I, I want to hear when I'm old mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and laugh about because that's going to be badass. That's amazing. All right. So we have like – 20 minutes to go over like three things that I've got in here. And yeah, I, 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 kinda, topics, I thought this yeah. would be, be fun. You can grab one of these. I don't, I don't care which one it is. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I actually liked, uh, this, this one here from, uh, uh, from the, the mad elf, uh, okay. compare and contrast, pick a game idea to run and then find your players or pick your players and then decide on a game. I've never done the second one. I've never done the second one either. Yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna kind of have like it's never it's never been pick my players and then pick a game. It's more like I know my pool of players and that informs the game choice. Exactly. 
Yeah. Exactly. And I think – remember earlier in our discussion I said I, – I was going to talk about yes, why I haven't ever – off the shelf. Why I haven't ever played Dread. Mm-hmm. This is the reason why. Yeah. Because in my pool of players, I don't have really any or many at all who enjoy horror storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I just – I don't have an audience for it. Yeah. I would love to, but – We need like a storyteller Facebook where all of our friends can go look for games for the storyteller. Yeah. And make yeah, it like a little a, more Just like a post board yeah. sort of thing. You like, know, where hey. it's like, hey, I'm thinking about running this game. Is there anybody of my friends who are interested in this? And they can be like – and then you can be like slot, 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 slot. Yep, there's a game. I can yeah. now run this you yeah. know, kind of a thing. Um, it's weird. It's weird that we haven't gotten to that point, you know? Yeah. I, I, I worry I worry sometimes maybe that like, you know, my, my gaming group has gotten a little too um, – Narrow? Yeah, narrow maybe. Uh, but like I haven't had a chance to story tell for Matthew until now. Right. Same. I haven't had a chance to story tell for Steve until now. I mean yep. Steve and I really didn't even hang out until now. Yeah. I mean I, I, I never gamed with Sean. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh so it's 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 getting a little a little better, I think. But uh for yeah, for a while there, like you and Vicky and Erica were like mm-hmm. the only people I gamed with. Yeah. Trev. Trev, yeah. Chris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That was yeah. that was the crew. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh Technolich uh said uh I am in need of help. I am trying to convert Vampire the Masquerade disciplines into spell-like abilities for D&D. I, uh, I have ideas for most, an idea for vicissitude. What I'm looking for ideas for La Sombra Optimization ability. Wow. The, uh, the immediate answer that came out of my mouth. Yep. Because uh, I, I did respond to the sound of the Discord yep, yep. was uh, Ivar's Black Tentacles. No, I agree. I think that's t- solid. Uh, but what else does a, what what else does a tenebration do? Because I know I know it's got um I mean there's there's like usually five tiers to the powers. Correct, correct. But I still think those are all individual spells. And black black tentacles I know is one of them. Right. Um. Now now you've got me looking this up. Right, well, while you're looking it up, Knox says a spotlight series, different game every week. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, that would oh god, that would get that would get hectic. But running a series of one shots for different people. That could, that could be cool. That could be cool. Yes. Okay, here we go. Here we go. What it's the what tenebration, the yeah. There we go. Tenebration for the Lasombra. Yep, yep, yep. Uh official abilities. Come on, give me the official abilities. Shadow play, which is easy. I think that's just a that's illusion. Uh yeah, yeah, that's kinda like minor illusion, but it's very focused on shadow. Shroud of the night, uh darkness. Or, or uh, yeah, darkness. Okay. Because it's a blanket area, cloud, unnatural shadow, obscures light, sound, and heat. Yep. Okay. So we've got essentially m- minor image or prestidigitation possibly for, mm-hmm. for, the, uh, for, the, for the shadow play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got darkness next. Yep. Uh, arms of the abyss. That's Evard's black tentacles. Yep. Uh, black, uh, black metamorphosis. Encase your body in nightmarsh armor. Grow black tentacles from your sides. So that's a no, 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 no. There, there is, there is actually, there's a, there's a spell in fifth ed. Um, it's out of uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Um, uh, go on to the fifth one because I am going to be looking this up on D. Okay. Uh, Night shades create temporary objects made of shadow. I think that's like it, I, I think that'd be a, any number of spells. Uh, that would do that because it's you can create, create, create what out of shadow? Uh, temporary objects. What's the one that lets you create a temporary object that's less than a pound and uh, less than oh, one mi- foot? minor creation? Yeah, so that's all it is. Minor creation, except that it's caveat of shadow. And tenebrous form uh, transform into pure shadow that can only be harmed by fire, sunlight, or magic. That sounds a lot like intangibility. Uh, there's also there's like a there's like a mist walk ability. I yeah. think. Yeah, it's one um, of the intangibles. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why is Gene D beyond? I mean, you've got advanced so powers in here, which is like uh Aegis of Shadows, cover yourself in powerful shadow armor, which is pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, see without light, even through supernatural darkness, blah, blah, blah. Uh, shadow Step, t- teleport. That's easy enough. Uh, shadow Parasite. Actually, Shadow Step, teleport from a shadow to another shadow is Blink. It's Shadow Blink. Uh, yeah, there's there's a, there's a number of spells. Uh, Misty Step also kind yeah. of does that as well. Uh, shadow Parasite, girl, black tentacle within target and ki- uh, until um, it kills them. That's interesting. Here. That that one's kind of got a length on it. Uh, shadow Perception, moves senses to a nearby shadow. That's actually kind of cool. That's uh, that's where you can listen at range. Oh, uh, Clairvoyance. Clairvoyance, yes. Clairvoyance. Uh, and then you've got Darkness Within, cover target in a horrid shadow that drains them of blood. Oh, Wow. Okay. Um, that just sounds like uh, um, cover them in a shadow that drains them of blood. Uh, that's just vampiric touch, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it's range. Yeah, but I think vampiric touch is vampiric touch might be range in in uh, fifth edition. I'm not sure. Yeah, I but I, there's, I think so there's, there's definitely easy easy runs for all of these. Yeah, yeah, I honestly say I would honestly say there's easy runs for you all. Know, those. It, so I think as a I think as a a channel we could easily dissect this, but I like that you're doing this. I think that's cool. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It gives a gives a lot of different flavor than just you know, rar. I have a draining touch and I'm really tough and I regenerate. Yeah. Yep. Do you want to hit another one here? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got time. Go for it. We got plenty of time. Uh, what are we doing here? Uh, Draven. There you go. Draven would like to ask us when it comes to things like vampires, particularly very old ones. Uh, I love when there's things in the domain slash castle that don't make sense. It's like, I know how much weird junk I have in my house IRL. I can only imagine what I'd have collected if I were immortal. Dude, I love this. This discussion <laughs> we, this got was a, so This was fantastic. a great discussion, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, it's basically better homes and gardening or, or, or trading spaces. Immortal edition. Yeah, immortal yeah. edition, which <laughs> I – love the idea of that like because you think like oh it's a big dark castle and all he has is a casket and like you know cobwebs and stuff no way this guy's been around for that long if it's anything contemporary you know he's got some cool shit in that place uh-huh you know he also has a bunch of crap that he's collected like you know it's almost like uh from uh thor ragnarok behold my stuff right because he just got it from everywhere right he's got a shake weight like he doesn't even know what it is <laughs> you know that's the kind of crap that i think really would be in a vampire's lair like if he's if he is as old as dirt you know that man or woman has got to have a ton of crap hoarded yeah that they can't get rid of because it's yeah. only gonna go up in value right <laughs> You know, right? Because they've lived through crap. They probably lived through some terrible times as well. Well, like look uh, what depression did to our parents. No, no, but but but, <laughs> but even on, on on a slightly more macabre level here, um, you know, I mean, as an immortal, mortals around you live <laughs> and then die. Did you see Knox's comment? <laughs> <laughs> but you can't but mobs of villagers burn your house down at the time you can't be a hoarder that's only if you're a bad vampire i was just if, thinking if you're a if good you're a, lord they're gonna be like all about it like generations will be worshiping your home thinking that like your generations have taken care of the land mm-hmm. you know you're gonna have all kinds of crap there you know oh but my. but I, I just thought you you you'd gather a lot of stuff for sentimental value oh god yeah I mean, because I mean, you know, every like, romance, here, here's, every... here's a mortal I knew in the 1700s and this was his favorite book. Oh, dude. 
uh, and this is the Highlander wedding dress the for my seventeenth dead wife. You know, yeah. and, Highlander the series I think used to do that, yeah. where like he would pick up something in his house mm-hmm. as like an art guy, you know, because he was a historian and art, you know, art collector, yeah. and he'd have things and he'd be like, oh, and suddenly it'd be a flashback a to flashback, like right. the thirteenth century with when he's talking with the you know, fencing with somebody, uh-huh. you know, and you're like. Oh boy, that's what this is about. Like, oh, and that person's going to show up in this episode, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, because they had unfinished business. You know, it was another immortal, you know. But, I, I, I could totally see that. But real talk, though. Okay. If, if you were immortal, uh-huh. what would be the thing that you would hoard? Like, the, like, like a type of thing? If someone raided your castle oh, geez, and put a stake find? through your house, what would they, what would give them pause and go, why the hell do they have an entire room devoted to this? Books. Books? Okay. But like not like not non standard books. Probably like D D books and stuff like that. I mean that. they're mm. it would be like they'd open a room while we found his library. Yeah, but all of these are game books. What do you mean game books? Like different game books. Like open the corner there, you've got like McLord Callister's Book of Joyous Games from eight oh three. Okay. Over in this corner is the complete set of third edition. Why third edition? Why third edition? Nobody D&D. liked that edition. <laughs> but he has the complete book set and it's like the spines aren't even cracked. And then he's like, great. Okay. Can we get out of here? This is kind of weird. Open the next room. Is this a room of cookbooks? Just cookbooks? Yeah. Holy Lord. This is a room of cookbooks. Like what? what, what is this? What? Why, why is every room a library? You know? Knox says that would be one hell of an estate sale. Oh. Bum, 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 bum. Wine would be the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. I could see you having a monstrous wine cellar if like, you were an ancient tiny vampire. Tiny house above ground, gigantic labyrinth of wine cellar yes. below. You know? Yes. You know? Yes. And you'd keep the Amontillado just in back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Just a little further back. Yep. Yep. Yeah, a little further. There you are. There, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like you know, and you know, because at some point I might be able to drink it. At uh-huh. some point, <laughs> at some point, when I when I become mortal again, I will be the drunkest mortal known to man. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, real talk. Let's see here. I think I would have I would have a massive room dedicated to all of my unpainted miniatures. Oh my god! Think of the minis. Oh I would my God, because them. because I know how many unpainted miniatures I have just in collecting over the last twenty years or so, and uh, if I were immortal and had thousands of years to do that, oh wow, dude, you'd have every three D printer printing everything you've ever wanted. I mean, that might be you just a room with three D printers printing models. I'm I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it would be bad. It would be real bad. Yeah, it would yeah. be real bad. Yeah. Um. That's a little bit of an obsession there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'd probably also be that person. I, I'm that person also who doesn't throw out old technology because I might need a TI-86 calculator at some point in the future. Dude, if I, if <laughs> I had a dollar for every time, I was like, I wish I still had a, a, a five-inch floppy drive. Right, right. To take care of this client's issue. But I've gotten over that. Yeah. I've totally gotten over that why, now. Why would I throw away a perfectly good zip drive? Mm-hmm. With a well, US- first off... You just said perfectly good and zip drive in the same statement, and we know that that is not a true statement. And 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 you haven't leapt across the table to strangle me yet, so I admire your restraint. I, I just remember them. I remember those. Oh, I remember the clicking. Oh God, I remember the clicking. 
Uh, Knox and Black oh, says that he uh, he needs to be immortal for all of his art projects. That makes sense. That, that makes, but Legos, sense. yes, Legos, Technolich, Legos. Technolich oh man, Technolich says Legos. Every Lego collection. Wow. There's a guy who's got a uh, two cargo containers now full. When he goes and buys a new one, he buys two, and what? he puts one in a cargo container that's sealed, hermetically sealed. What? And he he just he keeps doing that. It's stored underground in a dry like there's a dry break, and. Uh, it, he he doesn't tell people where it's at, but apparently the value of one of his cargo containers is in excess of uh, $7 million because of some of the sets that he has in it. What? what? I... But he has the set too. Like he, he no, built no, no, another no. Version. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I just mm – -hmm. I... He sold one to one person for like $160,000 for one of the sets because they just wanted it. Oh my goodness. Because there were only like 300 – that were even remotely available, and most of those were built, and this was still sealed in box. I have I have a tough time with that. I'm I'm not that person who can just buy things and just like collect them and not touch them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I suppose that's why he buys two, so he can correct yeah, have his cake and eat it. That too. was the difference. Is his father was like a stamp collector, and when he he didn't like stamps at all mm -hmm. because it like it's tiny art, and he was just like, I don't get this. But then he started playing with Legos, and his dad was like, Well, you can collect Legos. It's kind of sometimes cheaper, mm -hmm. and so he did. And he, he just didn't stop. And now this guy's a bazillionaire because he hoards. No, Legos. he's not actually. He's very modest. Really? But uh, because a lot of his money goes into protection of what he's got. Okay. okay. And what's funny is Lego has contacted him a few <laughs> times about things that he's had from his past. You, you say a lot of his money goes into protection, and all I can think is this is a very nice Lego collection you have here. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. I'd have a funny feeling that like a whole bunch of like Lego ninjas would whip out of nowhere and be like, "Nothing is going to happen to it." For nine million dollars, we can we can uh, make sure nothing happens to it. Probably. <laughs> oh, oh, shots fired. Uh oh. Well, uh, this has been a good show, but no. <laughs> Not just yet. You're, hey, no, 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 no. Look, I openly admitted to uh, buying all those minis and never touching them. That's why I would have a room full of unpainted minis if I were immortal. I've almost got mine primed. I know. Almost. I got yeah. some of them primed. I've got some of mine primed. Ninjago's canon. <laughs> Ninjago's canon. That's true. It is yes. true. There are actual ninjas in, uh, in, in, this, in this wonderful world. So, uh, yeah, next week. Um, Next week, I think we're going to start. Did, did we discuss we're going to start talking about themes? I think so. I think just for the fun of it. Yeah. Like we, we've we kind of glazed, you know, we've glazed the edge of it. <laughs> it's okay. It just glazed me. Exactly. <laughs> but I think there'd be some fun in that because there's a lot to be said about um, what themes can do for uh, for stories and mm -hmm. for settings. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, I think that sometimes – we've been taking a look at it from a system perspective. And if we take a look at it from a theme perspective, we might see themes that can exist in other systems that you wouldn't normally think of. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. How, to, how to work with that. So I think we'll try and go that direction with it a little bit and give you guys a, a little different flavor, maybe give you a different idea if your brain's stuck in like fantasy. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Uh, but but, there, but there's a lot of different fantasies you can tell. There's, you know, dark, dark, and f dark fantasy, gothic horror, kind of like Ravenloft. Or mm -hmm. you can play high adventure fantasy like Dragonland. You sure, know, I mean, sure. it, it, fantasy is not a theme. Fantasy is a genre. Correct. You know, but there's a certain feel to it. Yeah, we'll explore some of that. If you guys have thoughts or feelings on themes in general, mm -hmm. or themes you want to see, like Knox apparently wants to talk about Halloween and spooky stuff, you know, we might just get to that. We so could, let us know. Get, we could get spooky for Halloween. I think that'd be, that'd be okay. Sounds good. All, All right, right, cue us up. Let's get some music going for this wrap up. 
All right, friends. You can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave. Also on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Uh, our Discord server, which uh, we have a lot of uh, love our Patreon members chatting in, and we pulled the questions off of tonight. If you want to join in this discussion and join in the uh, the fun talking with the rest of our members, you can find the link. Uh, it's a, the pinned tweet on our Twitter feed. Uh, it's also in every single one of our uh, episode descriptions. So uh, in your favorite podcast uh, listening device there, go ahead and just look on the uh, description. You'll find the link to our Discord. Join us in the fun. And thank you to our Patreon members, Knox, especially. You're doing a fantastic job of supporting us. The rest of you, join us. You can join us on these chats and add to our wonderful discussions. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Frog. I'm going to say that right. You can find him at uh, GooeyFrogMusic at .webly.com. You're doing excellent. Our outro music is Only in the Footprints by uh, In the Sand by Midair Machine, and that can be found at SoundCloud.com, Midair Machine. Uh, we record here at Podcast Detroit, uh, and you can find them at Podcast Detroit on Twitter. Our engineer tonight is Ellen, and we'd like to thank her so much for our help. Thank you, Ellen. Uh, and also a big shout out to our families, Vicki, Sean, all of our friends who have uh, sat at us to the tables across the years and helped us get all this experience, and you, you our, our listeners. listeners. Thank you. We-